Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to thank you for joining us here on episode 76. Well, we're just going to get right to it today. We have a great interview coming up with John Wiley. I first met John about, oh, six or seven years ago, and he was then with a band called Melodyme. He was their lead guitarist. Melodyme is now wrapping things up as a band. Uh, We're going to get into all that in just a few minutes. But uh, John is now starting a new band. He is now um, transitioning to being not only a guitarist, but also a lead singer and songwriter. So we are going to hear a little bit more about John and his new band uh, in just a few moments. But also just a reminder, you are probably listening to the Agents of Innovation podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to it on. Please be sure to subscribe. You may be new to the podcast. If you're listening to John Wiley for the first time, just know we have 75 other episodes before this, including way back where we had Melodyme on. And so uh, I hope you go back and listen to some of those previous episodes, but also stay subscribed. We have about two new episodes per month, and we thank you for listening. And also write reviews if you can, because that really helps further the podcast and help more people learn about it. So we really appreciate that. Also, we have a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram account. Um, I'm actually in the middle of slowing down my own personal social media uh, content creation and interaction, but perhaps we will live on in the agents of innovation sphere, so you can follow all of that there. And of course, everything can be found at agentsofinnovation.org, including some write-ups and blog posts about each and every episode, including this one. So we thank you for listening. And now let's hear from John Wiley. I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, my friend John Wiley, who is coming to us today from his hometown of Fredericksburg, Virginia. John, welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Well, it's great. Well, we're here recording this. Um, You know, we were actually going to try to do this uh, when I was going to be in D.C., I think in April was my plans. And then, of course, the world shut down and and and, and we were actually not sure our our schedules were going to match anyway. So I think we were thinking we might have to do this over uh, a call like we're doing today, as many are doing during this time of social distancing. Uh, so it's, but John, I know, um, you know, as you might know, I love history. I love American history. And I know Fredericksburg, where you, I think you were born and raised, right? Uh, raised, not born. Uh, I, I was actually born in Long Island. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, well, that's yeah, a yeah. completely uh, different place. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an adopted Southerner. So, um, when did you move to Fredericksburg? We moved around a lot, uh, my family, but and then we settled here when I was ten. Like we kind of lived all up and down the coast for a minute, and then yeah, I think I was nine or ten when we got here. So, okay, well, you know, I I love Fredericksburg, um, a place where a lot of American history happened. Of course, we oh, know yeah. uh, some of the the uh, epic Civil War battles that came through there. 
Oh, also, yeah. I heard it's the boyhood home of our first president, George Washington. I don't know if you know if that's true. That, it, that is true. That is correct. Um, there is, Fredericksburg's done so many cool things with either preserving or rebuilding um, just like some of the historical buildings from back in the day. So there's a place called Ferry Farm where they rebuilt his um, his boyhood home. I believe that's where the um, mythical chopping of the cherry tree happened. That was George, right? Yeah. So the George, yeah. so the cherry tree was probably in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I, I believe so. If it happens. Yes, if it happened. Yeah. yeah well. Yeah. Fredericksburg's a little bit more than an hour south of Washington, D.C. without traffic, right? Yeah, it's like 50-something miles and in, in change. So depending on the time of day, it's either an hour or it's three and a half. <laughs> yeah, no, believe me, I, I went to grad school at the University of Maryland and lived in okay, that D.C. Yeah. area for a few years. And uh, especially I know when you get out to that northern Virginia area and you're uh, during rush hour, try, <laughs> it can be uh, it's, it's a gamble on what on what amount of time. Uh, probably right now, there's not very much traffic out there, um, unfortunately, in some ways. But, um, John, you have been I don't know how many years it's been. Has it been six years now that you've been the lead guitarist for Melodyme? Give or take, yeah. Give or take. So yeah. Well, we had uh, you and the entire band on the Agents of Innovation podcast way back on episode nine, and John, you're now on episode seventy six. Oh, so awesome! <laughs> episode nine was nearly five years ago, and uh, Melodyme, for those who don't know them, has described itself as a rock band that blends haunting, bittersweet melodies with emotionally rich vocals atop a bed of southern flavored alt rock. It just sounds delicious. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know who wrote that, but they deserve a, they deserve a raise. We sound good. <laughs> yeah, but you guys have been one of my favorite bands over the last decade. And, um, you know, it's hard for me to remember exactly when, but I first met Brad, Ty, and Sammy. It was probably like 2013, um, the first time they played down on St. George Island. I believe it was for a Rock by the Sea light. And, um, and then they came back and played for the, for the main Rock by the Sea uh, event. And then later Rock by the Sea even did a special light version uh, helping the charity. Rock by the Sea, for those that don't know, is a charity music festival. It takes place on St. George Island, Florida. And um, one of the charities they've now supported is Now I Play Along Too, which is a charity that's been um, really created by the band members of Melodyme to help. Uh, tell us, do you know a little bit more about that, John? About Now I Play Along too. Yeah, yeah, can you tell yeah, us a little bit more? Yeah, it's so Now I Play Along too was started with the mission statement of bringing music and music education to children that couldn't otherwise afford it. So we've done work in several different cities, D.C., um, actually near St. George Island where Rock by the Sea is a, you know, has been pretty much, I don't want to use the word based, but a lot of their events have been there. And we've yeah. done a lot of work in Haiti for the last few years. So just bringing donated or purchased instruments um, to these kids and then either paying for music teachers to come down now, or in some cases we've sat down with kids ourselves and just run little music workshops. We've done that in Haiti a few years in a row now. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get back there soon. It's, you know, who knows at this point, but 
but yeah, that's, that's been, now I play along too. And it's been a blast to be a part of that whenever I, you know, whenever, whenever I can and whenever we can make something work. <laughs> so John, it's funny. I've had the advantage of before, um, Melodyne found you. Uh, the first guitarist I met was a guy named Jameson. I think Jameson Fork. And then, uh, and then the next time I saw them play, they were with uh, Paul Fow was playing with them, and that was actually my first introduction to Paul. And I just thought this was their new guitar player. And of course, uh, after I got to know him a little bit, he said, uh, "Oh, uh, no, I'm just filling in for them. I've got like my own thing I do." And um, we later had Paul on. Um, episode six. So he actually was on this podcast before I had Melodyme on uh, way back almost five years ago. So, uh, and and we had a fun conversation. It's hard to believe that was, that was five years ago, but um, anyway, but really Melodyme was on a search for a permanent guitar player. These guys are really more fill-ins. They were, they had their own other projects they were doing. And, um, and so, you know, they found you and I got to say it from that point on Melodyme really expanded and just uh, really blew up and really found a, a whole new sound. I think you were certainly part of that. And also I know that your growth as a musician happened over those last six years as well. So that was, I think, a, a good um, you know, vibe for both of you all or all of you all to, to be together as musicians. So tell me a little bit about what led you to join Melodyme, what was, Melodyme and what was that uh, experience like? Well, um, thank you for saying that, number one. But really, I was playing around the D.C. area as a sideman, just as a gun-for-hire guitar player. And it was it was enjoyable. I loved it. I got to meet some great people and um, and play with some great people that I've always kind of idolized as musicians. But there was always that... I, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted that tangible brotherhood of just guys traveling the road, traveling the country, hitting the road in, in a van. And I, I wanted that. I had always wanted that. And I'd always tried formed bands that never made it out of Virginia. And the sideman thing was great and it was good money and it was good experience experience and it was a great learning experience but it didn't quite scratch the itch of of being involved in that kind of community and also when you're a sideman you are you know there are moments of where you get to create but it's all within the confines of other people's music and so when I joined the band, yeah, I was playing their, you know, music that they had written before me, but I wanted the chance to, you know, put my stamp on a band and and really create my own stuff. So I had met Sam. We were both like filling in. There's a cover band in Washington, D.C. called Pebble to Pearl. And we were playing, I believe, Silver Spring, Maryland. And oh, I used to live there. there you go yeah there's like an outdoor mall i believe there um and they they had a concert series like just music on a friday afternoon um and yeah sam was filling in for their keys player i was filling in for their guitar player and we had just we just kind of clicked it off and how uh 
I thought we played well off one another. Like he'd play a little ditty and I'd echo it back or vice versa. And, you know, it was Bon Jovi and Prince songs. And it was just, it was just kind of a, it was just a good time. And three or four days later, I uh, got an email from him that was basically like, hey, we're looking, this band is looking for a guitar player. We are about to uh, do this and this and this and this and this, and we're about to put this record out. Would you be interested in hearing the record? And would you be interested in coming to meet and play with us? And he sent me the first, I believe, five songs off of where the Sinners and Saints collide. And the first, you know, other than there's an interlude on that record, but the first real song I heard was Halo. And I heard that and was like, I, I think I'm in. I think like, let yeah. me, if I, yeah, if we can, if I can get an audition, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to nail this. And, and then away we go from there. And that was how it all started. So it's funny, you guys played a gig together uh, as, as part of a cover band. Yeah. With another cover band. And in a way, in a way you, you know, I always say this in life, you never know that some work you're doing. I mean, it's hard for me as someone who loves live music to see uh, that as work, <laughs> but it is work. Uh, but, uh, but it's something you love and it's something you're passionate about. And it's, it's great art as well. But it's, but anyway, anytime you're doing something like work, other people might have eyes on, on what you're doing. You might not think it might lead to something else. Oh yeah. Right? But, uh, but in, in one way, that was almost like your first actual audition without knowing it was oh, an audition. Yeah. And maybe Sammy didn't even know it was an audition when he was watching you from the part of the stage and saying, this guy might work for us. <laughs> I, I think that anytime, especially as a musician, you know, anytime you are performing in front of people, that could be on a huge national stage that can be at an open mic night at the pub on the corner. You have to, you know, if you're serious about your craft, you have to treat every one of those performances as a possible audition because you never know what's going, who's going to, um, uh, you never know who's going who's gonna to be in that crowd. Like me, the music industry, as far as like performing musicians, there are parts of it where it's almost like the last oral tradition. Like, you know, I don't have, yeah. a, I don't have a resume necessarily i i've played with people and i'll get phone calls that are the, where the conversation goes hey you've played with this guy and this guy um i heard you don't suck and i hope that's true can you come and do this thing and i'll send you a set list like and those other people that i've played with that's my resume right exactly <laughs> so, you know, and so. it's hard to look at uh, something like that on a screen. I could sit here and read your bio, but until someone hears your music, and oftentimes until they see you uh, perform live, it's hard to actually describe uh, what what it is that they're they're viewing or listening to. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because you know, and especially, you know, music is more personal than food. You know, there are amazing artists that are in the rock and roll hall of fame that I, you know, they're not necessarily my cup of tea and I don't listen to it. So, Oh, sorry. I hear my, my email go off in the back. That's okay. <laughs> but it, 
So where was I going with that? People, listeners are already calling, uh, writing into you, John. That's what it is. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I'm not so sure, but that's <laughs> So, John, uh, t- you joined Melodyme, I think, around 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. I yeah. think it was 2014 where Melodyme played on the first their first rock boat. Yeah, so that means that I joined late in 2013 then. So. Yeah, so, uh, and I was on that first rock boat, and it was really cool because as I walked on there, I knew who Melodyne was. People who had come to Rock by the Sea knew who Melodyne was. Maybe a few other people in the D.C. area. But the vast majority, 90, 95% of the boat, didn't know who y'all were other than maybe a name uh, that they were seeing on their uh, itinerary, on their schedule. But but I remember going to every one of those performances, and at every one, you won. Everybody is like new fans. By the way, my best friend from high school, Sean, he saw Melodyne a couple years later on another rock boat. And then he was just on this last rock boat where we were all on in January of 2020. And he said to me, you know, uh, anybody I've ever had play, play, um, play a Melodyne song to has never not liked it. And Kristen Moran, our, our mutual friend, she's yeah. brought so many people to so many of your shows over the years. And she said, Melodyne is just one of those unique bands that like, I don't know anybody that I brought to a show that didn't just love them immediately. Uh, and so it's kind of, um, it's kind of fun. So I, this happened on the rock boat 2014. And I think maybe that was shortly after Sinners and Saints Collide came out. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. And you guys just grew in popularity. And as everybody knows, the rock boat is a, is a floating music festival, like 3000 fans, uh, like 30 artists, sister Hazel started this and it's just fun. And all the bands play about three sets on there. And you guys ended up playing an unprecedented five years in a row on the rock boat. And then they, you had one year off and you came back this last year to play a six time, which for a band that's not like the headliner, like Sister Hazel, I don't think that many performances in, in that span of time has ever been granted. Um, but also a lot of these rock boaters go out and host you all in home shows. They come and see you at club shows. And so that's, I know it's been really cool for you guys, but, uh, Tell us a little bit more about what the rock boat means to you and some of your best memories you've had on, on uh, this floating music festival. Oh man, that's who. Well, I'm going to start off with one, with one memory I've had, John. Okay. All right. I think it was your first rock boat. I'm going to let you think. All right. Uh, This is, this is a, this is a memory I always will have of you. I, and I believe it was your first rock boat and you were kind of new to Melodyne. Watch, we're about to tell the same story. Oh, I'm going to let you tell it then. No, 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 no. I don't know. You you go. <laughs> you go. Well, I was in the uh, the Bar City area late at night where there's a lot of like cover, uh, you know, cover songs being played by just different musicians jumping on stage. And who I, I, I don't know if you were already on stage or not. But Ed Kowalczyk came up on stage. Yeah, okay. That wasn't the story I was going to tell. And um, he played, I think, two live songs. And I specifically remember Lightning Crashes. And you came up on stage. I don't, again, I don't remember if you were already there as part of the cover band that night. But you were, you were sitting there playing. <laughs> and you were just jamming out and having a great time. And, uh, and, I, and I thought, yeah. wow, that, that's got to be an amazing experience for somebody like him, a young musician who's seeing a legend on stage next to him and being able to jam to that legend's song and, and play right along with them. Um, so that was really cool. That, That'll always stick out of my mind. And yeah. those are some of those rock boat moments that you just can't plan for. So, and 
That one in particular, that one in particular was insane because it was, you know, so that was February of that year. Less, you know, a handful of months ago, I was playing in cover bands, um, playing those guys' songs, playing Collective Soul and live. And, you know, all like that was that was my job. And now fast forward a few months and yeah, I'd gotten on stage. I believe Scott Munns was running the jams and I think Fakino had to go to the bathroom. Brian Fakino, a brilliant guitar player and a wonderful human being. Yeah. Um, he had to go to, I was walking by and he was like, dude, I really got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Can you take the guitar? I was like, sure. And as I grabbed the guitar, Ed walked onto the stage um, and Scott was, I had only talked to Scott once and he was like, oh, I don't know. Do you, do you got this? Like, do you know the <laughs> songs? And I was, I, I were so familiar with the records. I don't think I'd ever played them, but I was so familiar with the records, but yeah, I think, I think we're okay. Tell me the key and we'll be good. And we, yeah, we did I alone and um, yeah, we did I alone and lightning crashes and lightning crashes was absolutely that's why I was one of my favorite songs growing up. It's still a great song. I love that song. Yeah, you know, I, I went to a live, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make me sound really old right now, but uh, one of the first concerts I ever went to, 1995, December of 1995, okay. live, live at the Miami Arena. And that, that arena's not even there anymore. They got a new arena there. And the band that opened for them was, Phil, no, no, that's, that was a different show. Um, sorry. So I was thinking of Filter opening for White Zombie. And okay. I, <laughs> That'd be a good show too. White Zombie was insane. I, I couldn't even stay for the whole show. I was like, yeah. I'm out of here. But, uh, but, but Filter was amazing. And uh, anyway, so uh, Live was, was incredible, though. That was, uh, that was a great show. And I, and I saw them many times over, over time. And it was cool to actually meet Ed on the, on the boat. But yeah, nice guy. Any other uh, great memories you might have from the rock boat? Man. So there, there's just so many really that first one was, a, was a, uh, that first rock boat was such an experience. Um, I mean, they're all great experiences, but that first one in particular, I remember we were, I think our first, I believe it was our second show when we were in Spinnaker. Anyway, like I said, it was all these people that I grew up that were on my, you know, they were in my CD player growing up. These were yeah. songs. These Collective were songs Soul that, was on that boat, right? Yeah. These were so, tonic. And these were songs that listening to these songs helped me learn, helped me learn how to write songs. And so, and how to, they helped me how to be a musician. So to be now at a festival with these guys, I was fired up. And I remember playing our second show in Spinnaker. And for the second show, at this point, we're in the middle of the ocean, right? And I remember, also at this point, I don't think I had ever spoken on the microphone at a Melodyne show. Um, so I, we come out, um, we hit our big jam to start the show. And I just grabbed a microphone and cut Brad off and yelled, what's up, Miami? <laughs> and there is just this lull of we're what we're we're not in Miami because the boat left from Miami the day prior, 
And there was just two seconds of me being incredibly embarrassed. And then, then I just had to be like, all right, let's shake that off. And <laughs> um, so that, that was a, uh, that was a good one. I don't think I've said more than five words on stage at any other Melodyme show ever since then. Just yeah, just, <laughs> it was just embarrassed out of the gates and just kept yeah. kept yourself. And, and, yeah, and that, after that, it was like you know I'll let Brad do that part. Um, but um, yeah, that was great. Um, so John, this year uh, on the Rock Boat. This was your sixth time uh, as a band playing at the uh, on the rock boat, and there was definitely a feeling among many fans. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> there were some rumors floating around that this might be Melatime's last time as a band on the rock boat, um, and I think people had this assumption for a few reasons. Yeah, um, and you know, two of your band members, Sammy and Ty, they're both brothers, of course. Both are married. Both have some young children. Ties up to what three kids now? He, I think, think the actual number is about like 14 at this point. <laughs> and then, John, you recently got married. Congratulations. How, how long has it been now? It's been a little over a year. It was last February. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. And, so, and, and your wife is from Florida, right? Yeah. Um, she, well, not from, not from Florida. She's from Georgia, but we met when she was living in Florida. Gotcha. Okay. And then, uh, um, I know the band's been a unit for a long time, well before you. Uh, these guys kind of knew each other growing up a little bit, and I think they formed maybe right at right after high school or something like that, if I can remember. So, so the yeah. band's the band's been a, together a long time. They've produced a number of albums. They've, I mean, they've had such a following. But uh, of course, you know, in all things in life, things sometimes things can't last forever. And um, and and then just getting off the rock boat, which was at the end of January, I think uh, maybe sometime in February, Melodyne made an announcement that they were going to sort of be hanging it up as a as a band, and uh, announced a, a farewell show. Um, but uh, tell us, can you give us a little bit of the insight? And I know Brad's going to be doing some some other things as well. He's the lead singer. Uh, Tell, can you give us a little insight onto, um, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get to what you're doing as well with your bit, new band, but uh, a little insight to what went into these decisions for Melodyne to kind of, you know, uh, say farewell. Well, it had you know, it's been a long time. We've been doing this for a while. They've been at it since they were eighteen, and we're all in our early thirties now. I think it was just time for a change. Travel, like traveling got really hard. I think especially for, I don't want to, I don't, I don't think I'm speaking out of, out of line here, but I think traveling got really hard for, especially the brothers because there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's kids at home and that right. I, I, I can't relate to that. I'm not a parent myself. I can only imagine, I can only imagine how tough that is, but um, but yeah, I, you know, it was, it was just kind of time for a change. Um, it was time for a, uh, it was time for something new. I think that, you know, there, there wasn't, yeah, there was never any animosity. It was just, it was one of those things we sat down after a tour uh, 
a while ago and we were and we all kind of looked at each other and it was it, it was I don't even think it was a rehearsal I think we all just said hey do we all want to do we want to meet up and talk about this and we just kind of looked at, looked around the room and looked at each other and we just kind of realized it was you know it was running out of gas so yeah, well, you know, I wish I had, I wish I was a little more eloquent. No, no, that's good. I think, I think that that's a you know a little good a good insight. I mean, I think as a fan, you know, we're we're somewhat selfish as fans, right? We want our favorite bands to continue forever. We want new music. And by the way, I mean, the music has continued to not disappoint. I mean, I, I feel Thank like every you. every release has been great. It's it's sort of fit within a similar sound, but, but in a new way. Um, and, and so, uh, there's just so much energy at the live shows as well. Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, so as fans, you know, we're a little selfish, but we also recognize, you know, the, uh, your people too. And uh, of course, uh, uh, Sam and Ty being parents, that is very difficult to continue that. And so, and also just this band's been around a while and it's, yeah. it's hit, you know, uh, you're going, you, I think you guys are going out on top. In, in that way. Well, well but, I, I appreciate that. But, but also I'll say that, the, you know, you're, you are all musicians. I think you'll be lifelong musicians and yeah. maybe you'll, maybe you'll come, you know, there may be different career paths, maybe, maybe outside of music that we can't foresee at this point. I remember when I had the full band on almost five years ago, uh, I think it was Brad, but I, you, there was a consensus among, you know, Brad, Sammy and Ty that, they actually, just like everybody else who's 18 years old graduating college or graduating high school, people are like expecting that the next step is college. And yeah. maybe I think they all each took a step, maybe a semester into college and said, uh, you know what? Uh, we could always come back to college, but we've, we've got this really cool thing right now, this band we've got, we're young, we got the rest of our lives to do everything else we want to do, but let's focus on the band. And that's what they did. And I was actually reviewing that interview when they said that. And I thought, well, you know, here we are close to 15 years later after they said we might go back to college someday. I don't know if they ever will, but it, it, it seems that uh, they did fulfill their dream and get to play on some amazing stages and produce some really great music. And I'm glad they made that decision, you know, almost 15 years ago to, to, to skip college and focus on their music career. I'm um, glad too. <laughs> yeah, and you're very glad too. But and and the band had a had a had a show, a farewell show scheduled for June 20th. Um, but of course, due to all the shutdowns and the social distancing needed to slow the spread of the coronavirus, uh, it has been postponed. And it's funny, John, as we were preparing for this interview, I was thinking about that show, and I texted Brad and said, "Hey, so." It seems like the coronavirus is not going to allow Melodyne to play a farewell show. I think this means you guys need to continue the band. <laughs> and the next day it was announced, October 3rd is the rescheduled date. <laughs> I was like, no, no. Actually, he texted me back. I think it said, actually, we just set a new, a new, a new, a new date. But, uh, but anyway, I bought my ticket for that. I plan oh, to be thank, there. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be very bittersweet. But I'm also looking forward to getting out there and listening to live music and what better way than 
to, to see Melodyne, and it's at the State Theater in Falls Church, Virginia. Yes, Let's sir. cross our fingers that the show will go on and that all will be well. But yeah. John, you have now formed a new band. You announced this in February, I believe. Uh, yes. John, John Tyler Wiley and his Virginia Choir. Yeah. Tell us a little bit. You know, we know you, John, as a guitarist. You came into our lives as a guitarist and as an awesome guitarist. We've seen you grow. We've seen you on stage with all sorts of people. Um, but now you're singing and writing your own songs. And I've learned that this is something you used to do. Um, so tell us a little bit. What was your thinking um, starting this new band? Well, there wasn't a whole lot of thinking, to be honest. Um, it, it was like growing up, I always wrote and I never sang. And then when, um, after college, when I started the, you know, my life as a full-time musician teaching lessons and as a sideman, there were days where, you know, at the beginning, my phone wasn't ringing be, um, as a, to, be a guitar player for people because nobody knew who I was. So, so I made the decision then as like a 22 year old, it's like, all right, we have to, we gotta, we gotta learn to sing. We have to figure this out. So I would book bars and um, breweries and small places and just sing covers in the corner. And I did that for years just to kind of build my confidence up as a vocalist, um, just taking requests from, from the drunken mob at the bar. And sorry about that. What, oh, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> uh, as a member of the drunken mob sometimes uh, at the no, bar. Just no, <laughs> it, no, it was fine. Honestly, I think it was, I'm, I think it was really good for me as a musician. And as that developed, them, I would kind of lie to bands that would hire me and say, oh yeah, I can sing harmony. <laughs> and I would kind of, I would learn how to sing harmony always on the fly um, in these pickup gigs in bars. And it just kind of, it just kind of kept going. But as I was becoming more active in the music community in Washington, D.C. And, and Richmond as a sideman, I just stopped writing because all my time was focused on learning other people's music. So, yeah. yeah. So it was shortly after, you know, fast forward years later, it was shortly after Melodyne made the decision amongst ourselves that we didn't know if, you know, we didn't know if we had much more wind in our sails. Um, and, and also a quick aside, I do want to make sure I spoke clearly that it was, you know, I did, I, I hope I didn't sound like I was pinning this on the Jewish boys. <laughs> the, oh, and they're, and they're, we'll, we'll bl- don't worry. We'll blame yeah. you. We'll no, 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 no. It was, <laughs> it was all, it was all of us. It was all four of us. We each independently came up to, came up with the, that decision. Um, and I just want to make sure that, they don't get, yeah, I don't want to seem like I'm throwing them to the sharks because it wasn't that. But anyway, after we made that decision, I had came home and I was melancholy for a few days and, 
um, I have found there was a song called uh, Whiskey that I that I wrote. I was, I don't know, I probably was 22, 23. I think it was the last song I ever wrote of throughout my 20s. And I, it was late at night. I found it just on my, I found, on my computer and I found a video of me playing it at a local bar. And I was, and I found, the, I wrote down the words based off of what I said in the video. And I looked at the words and I remember thinking like, some of these are all right. Some of these aren't. And I just rewrote it. And at that point it was like midnight. And I said, all right, I'm, you know what? I have GarageBand, let's, let's demo this just for fun. So I, I knocked the whole thing out in like two hours. I used keyboard drums. Um, I, I used, yeah, I have a MIDI controller for GarageBand. And everything was, I, I used, I didn't have a bass. I used keyboard bass. I used keyboard drums. I, you know, and then I just plugged my guitar directly in to my computer via a recording interface. I didn't even use an amp. And I remember doing that and finishing it like 2, 3 a.m., whatever it was, and thinking, hey, this, this isn't terrible. So, I, I, so GarageBand provided the keyboard and the drums. I mean... Maybe well, you were like, maybe you were like, screw you, do us boys. I don't need you anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was, um, it was, I, piano was my first instrument, actually. And some people don't know that, but I was, I just, as a kid, I had always wanted to play guitar, but I think my parents were th- thought along the lines of, well, a little electric keyboard has a has a uh, has a volume knob and a headphone jack, and maybe that's better for a for a six year old. <laughs> so yeah. I started on that, um, and then I moved to banging on a guitar later. But yeah, keyboard. I've always played piano. I have an organ um, that I inherited from my grandma. Um, an organ. Yeah. I've, I, I've loved that stuff. I've always done that, but I've never advertised being a keys player because quite frankly, I'm not a good one. I, I know my way around the, around the keyboard. So if I'm composing a part or writing a song, that's one thing, but I don't know if I'm, if I'm brave enough to ever call myself a piano player and show up at a gig and try and... So I assume, do you know Andrew Leahy? Uh, yes, love that guy. So, yeah, dude, dude. you guys have similar uh, hairstyles. But the uh, <laughs> I've been watching some of his live streams during this coronavirus, you know, yeah. and he's known as well as a guitar player, but he spends the last usually two songs during his live streams on the piano. Okay. And uh, I think he mentioned that he doesn't actually know a whole lot of songs on the piano um, as he does on the guitar. But yeah. he's working on it, and I think it's it's kind of cool to see that. But yeah, it's nice to see when musicians uh, you know them for something like you, a guitar player. But you know, we don't know until you tell us that. Oh, I, you actually have some previous experience on the keyboard with an organ. What other any other instruments you play? Well, to fast forward, um, I demoed that song, whiskey, and then I kept on. It was just kind of the writing music bug just kind of caught me again. And as I would write songs, which I didn't even know what I was writing for, I would play everything. 
So when once I decided that these songs were going to be on a record, I went and I talked to a friend of mine that's a drummer. And I said, hey, you know, I know you have a drum kit. I know you have a recording rig. Can we record some drums at your house? And he said, oh, yeah, I'd love to be a part of it. And I said, well, I want to do it. <laughs> so I am a very, very amateur drummer as well. I had a, I lived with a drummer in college. Uh, so he had a drum set in our dorm. We had no friends in that dorm because between my guitar and his drums, we just pissed everybody off. But um, I would play, yeah, I, so I would practice on his kit in between classes. So once again, um, very, very, very amateur, but I know what drums should sound like. So I can kind of, I can write a part on a kit. So there were songs that like, yeah, all the songs on, on our, on, or on, on the record that will be coming out later this year, I played every instrument on, um, or I either played it or I programmed it using MIDI. But yeah, most of the drums I either played or what I would, I would use symbol separation technique, which is supposed to be a recording trick. But in my case, it was more a trick for um, not being able to actually play the right hand of a drum part and the left hand of a drum part at the same time. Right, right. So I would literally do a, a take using the kick drum, the snare drum, and the toms and then do another take on all the cymbals and, and then put it together and it worked out. Okay. Um, so, but that's been, yeah, it was, well, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was something I always wanted to do because I love like Prince and Lenny Kravitz has done that. I'm like Ben folds rock in the suburbs. One of my, uh, one of my favorite records he um he played most of the instruments on that record, and it was yeah I it was something I'd always wanted to do, and it just it didn't really come planned. It just kind of all started happening, and then in the middle of the process, I realized I liked it, <laughs> and well, maybe I should maybe I should convince my friends to form a band and play this music with me. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yeah, that that was it. Um, I was, I wasn't even done with the record. I talked to Piper, our drummer and his wife, Joanna. Um, I've been playing with them in those pickup bar gigs for years. Those aforementioned, like just gigs around the area. And it would got, it got to be whenever we were all off the road, we would text each other and say, Hey, you want to hang out better yet? You want to book a gig? So we book a gig we would, there would be no real set list and we would show up and just kind of jam and we'd each leave with like a hundred bucks and that was our month's electric bill and, and it was what great. Was your, what was your role on those cover bands? Were you guitarist and vocals or how did that work? Um, it, a lot of times I was the, I was the guitar player, but kind of as it progressed, I just started forcing myself to take up the mantle of being the singer. Um, and a lot of that, I mean, now we're going, now I'm going way out of chronological order, but 
when a lot of that um, started with Eddie, our fiddle player, there was, he used to run a bluegrass jam in town and I would show up. Uh, I was just learning how to play the mandolin. I would show up and sing harmony um, behind him leading this jam. Then when he left Virginia and moved to Austin, Texas for a while, I inherited that jam and I was like, all right, I guess I'm the lead singer now. And because and because honestly, it was it was me looking to make a buck. It was another thing. It was it was a weekly gig, and I could pay rent on that weekly gig. I could pay my month's rent. So I forced myself to be a singer out of necessity, and kind of got I just got into it over time. So then, as the time progressed, I would start booking gigs. Like oh, we don't need a singer. I got it, <laughs> and by you know, it was, but it was really, it was out of, it start, started out of necessity and then it evolved into, I actually enjoy this. <laughs> so, so now, John, uh, we go, we come back to this time. First of all, I want to ask you one question before we get into now. It sounded like something you said earlier and that way earlier in your uh, career as a musician, you were more into songwriting. Yes. And then you became more known for the guitar playing aspect and you've really excelled at that. And I know sometimes in life we could be good at a lot of things, but in order to kind of hone our craft, we might have to like give something else up to focus on something else. And I don't know if you feel that way, but did you do that? Um, did you sort of give up some of those other things to focus on being uh, the best guitar player? And, uh, and if so, would, would you, uh, you know, what, what do you think about that experience? And would you do something different now? Um, yeah, I, I would definitely do something different now. And I do think you hit the nail on the, on the head there. I think, um, when I became a full-time musician as a guitar player, and I mean, I'm learning all these other people's music, um, in retrospect, I see it as I was afraid because there's something about songwriting like lyrical songwriting where you can you know you're bearing part of your soul for people to hear and react to and that is terrifying and at the time i think i kind of you know i knew i was always going to be a guitar player and I had found this other world of, you know, gun for hire musicians. I was like, this is really cool. I love this. But in retrospect, I don't see why I couldn't have worked on my songwriting just quietly in my room for fun for 10 years. I, when in reality, I gave it up cold turkey. Um, and I look back and I recognize that as fear. So, oh yeah, if I can go back, I would have definitely kept, like, really kept writing. Because the only thing I did for a long period of time was if I, I would think of a lyric and I would jot it in my phone, but then that lyric would go untouched. <laughs> I, you know... Whereas yeah. now, if I think of, you know, if I think of something that could be for a song... Once, oh, once or twice a week, I'll go back and I'll look through all my notes and I'll try and actually finish something based off of that one or two different ideas that I wrote down. 
at one point in time. But yeah, well, well, we can't go back, but it's it's 2020 now, and, um, and you guys. Oh, what a year your- it is! <laughs> oh, what a year it is! <laughs> I saw this shirt the other day online. Uh, you know, some some marketing thing in my Facebook feed or something, and it said. 2020 sucks. <laughs> That's what it said. But I think we yeah. can look at 2020 in many different ways. I just got a good laugh when I saw that. Um, yeah. Well, you guys denounce yourself as a band. John, uh, what's the full name of the band? John Tyler Wiley and his Virginia Choir. John Tyler Wiley and his Virginia Choir. I didn't want to butcher it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, all right. So, I, know, I know it's a mouthful. We all, we're all aware of it. <laughs> well, you guys announced yourselves as a band, I think, in February. Yes. And then just weeks later. <laughs> I mean, we were, there was all this, oh, cool. John's got a band. They're going to start going out on tour and... Boom, the coronavirus pandemic hits the United States. Everything gets shut down. And here we are in late May. Things are still mostly shut down. There's some signs of reopening. Uh, Here in Florida, just in the last uh, 10, 12 days, restaurants reopened. I got a haircut on Monday. It's awesome. Um, uh, (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. But you guys uh, are trying to start a new band. And, And so first of all, regardless of starting a new band, what has it been like for you as a musician during this pandemic, during this shutdown? Uh, what are you spending your time on? And uh, just and then on top of that, what is it like for a musician who has started a new band? Well, I mean, the whole music community is, you know, it's it's beyond hurting right now um, mm-hmm. for so many reasons. Obviously, financially, but really, you know, if someone becomes a musician. It's because that call is implanted in their very being that, you know, like to go out and write and or perform music. And especially the performers where that's, you know, there's so many performers I've heard say it's like when they're on stage, that's where they're they feel more like themselves than any other part of the day. So for that to be taken away, there's a huge hole in people's lives. It's also like, uh, I mean, in some ways for some people, it's, 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 uh, well, look, music is therapy for almost all of us, right? I mean, there's there's times when you just, whatever mood you're in, music soothes the soul. Uh, Maybe you're in a good mood and it, and it gets you in a better mood. Maybe you're in a a low mood and uh, you need some blues or something, you know, but, uh, but for a musician, right. uh, Like you just said, uh, it's. I've also heard this from people who are like comedians, right? Yeah. Where like they have their own personal challenges and issues they deal with, and on stage they sort of become a different person. Yes. And and, and a different and, and and as a musician, whether you're the lead singer physically talking or whether you're drumming in the back or you're 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 uh, you know playing guitar keys, whatever it is that you're becoming, you're like unleashing and you're performing in front of an audience and you're getting some kind of feedback in some ways as well. So that's, that's totally taken away. Even these online streaming shows have been great, but it's like, I sit there and I watch these and I'm like, how could we, how can Facebook introduce like a clap feature? You know, so these guys feel like they can hear us. uh, Like we're over here saying, yeah, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, but no, I, I, so I get that part. So let me let you go back to, to what you were saying. Well, I mean, 
you know, there's just, there's a lot of different emotions involved because it's, yeah, there's the sense of you, you definitely feel incomplete, but it's also, you know, I don't want to complain and pout because people are freaking dying. Right. You know, it's, it's, this is really, it's super serious. Um, with that said, people are dying, but there's also an economic element and oh, musicians, yeah. music, you know, oh, there's yeah. 30 to 40 million unemployed and musicians are part of that. There's a lot of, yeah. uh, it's a different idea of unemployment because a lot of how you make money is actually touring, almost like a freelancer, um, yeah. you know, and... and- I've been I've been pretty lucky. Um, I've always taught um, lessons whenever I'm off the road, um, so I'm still able to teach. Um, there's a music program called Music Core, um, Music Core with one C. If you want to, the listeners want to check it out. But it's a music program for in- injured veterans. It's based out of uh, Bethesda, Maryland, and we're working. We were we're working on our. Um, our secondary location in San Diego, we're still working on it, but it's delayed as is everything in the world right now. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a great thing that I get to do in the meantime. And, um, that's really cool. So, so these are, uh, sort of wounded veterans that are learning music. Is it, is it somewhat therapeutic for them or is it it just, or is it, or is it also something that they just, want to learn i mean all of the above man you know it's it's a lot of it's a military hospital can be a very very dark place because Mm -hmm. you think of people that are getting injured um a lot of them are kids a lot of them are in their early 20s and they might have had this grand life plan Mm -hmm. and then they you know they take a bad step and land on a mine and all of a sudden they're without limbs. Right. And that's, you know, then two days later they wake up back in the States in a hospital and they have to learn how to walk with a prosthetic or how, you know, it's, it's, it, it's nuts. Um, so there's, yeah, there's, there can be a lot of, there's a lot of darkness in those places and a lot of the military hospitals are doing a great job in providing extracurricular activities to like just add to hope. But there are a lot of cases where men and women are, you know, they are newly injured. They have their six to eight hours of physical therapy or occupational therapy per day. And the rest of their day, they go back to their room and they're alone and they're, they're just, they're depressed and yeah. it fuels a lot of addiction. It fuels a lot of depression. It's, it's just, yeah, it's not, it, 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 it sometimes it cannot be the best. <laughs> it, it cannot be the healthiest environment. And when music court started, it was, uh, there was a, there, the guy's name is Arthur Bloom. He was a, a Juilliard piano player, brilliant musician. Wow. And he, um, he got a call to work with, I think the, I think patient zero, so to speak, was a, uh, was actually a drummer. 
and he got a call just to kind of help this guy um, play music again, but he didn't have, I think, I think it was, he didn't have um, both legs. And I think he was also missing missing his hand. Wow. So it became, I in shoot, this is terrible. I could be mis, misspeaking on his injury, but I mean, it became like he worked with um, medical professionals to make prosthetic devices to hold drumsticks and like, you know, prosthetic feet that could work a kick pedal. And that guy is, I think, I believe to, he's a professional drummer now. That's um, incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, to some extent, I think he makes money playing drums. Um, wow. So when that happens, Arthur saw the need there and he saw that, like, because like, even just working with him, people would wander out of their rooms to this music room and kind of say, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of people that either used to be musicians or wanted to be musicians and didn't think they could anymore or didn't think they could learn because of an injury. And the whole program became dedicated to what can we do to, you know, get over this hurdle of, of the injury. Like we still, there's, we can still make mu make music. And yeah, that's great. Well, so yeah. you're part of a, so you're one of the music educators. Yeah. This I'm, program. Yeah. I think I'm one of the, I'm one of the teaching artists, I believe is our title. <laughs> but, so, bef so before, uh, during normal times, would you physically go to a place or would you, were you doing yeah. it online as well? Yeah, no, I, I would go up to Walter Reed um, Military Medical. We have a few different um, music rooms there. And, but now I'm doing everything over Zoom as we are doing today. Um, it's a little, little trickier. But it's, you know, what? Yeah, well, that's, that's we, really we will great. Take, we will take the hands that has been that have been dealt to us, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's great that you're able to still, uh, you know, be hired for something, but also that this this something is uh, is really for a great cause as well. Oh, and um, especially now when you think about hospitals are even more locked down than they than they have been before and oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of these people aren't getting the kind of visitors that that they would maybe even in normal times um and, and even then sometimes it's few and far between so uh yeah so i'm sure that that's a bright moment of their day uh getting to zoom with you and 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 learn more uh music and um and so oh. It's a bright moment for me too, man. To make, yeah, <laughs> to make the two ways. Anybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, John. Um, so we talked a little bit about that. You know, this aspect. It's it's mid May now. It's it's mid to late May, and we're going to be. <laughs> things are slowly opening up, as I mentioned. But it seems to me one of the last things that's going to open up fully are probably like concerts and sporting events with large crowds and yeah, I think probably the last sort of types of concerts will be arena shows and stadium shows. Of course, a lot of the bands and artists you interact with tend to be more the club and bar shows. Maybe these are 50 person shows or, or 2000 person shows, but somewhere in that level. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you'll be back a little sooner, but what, I mean, just, we're, we're speaking a little bit hypothetically here. We, we have no full answers. We're not the CDC. We're not, 
you know, the owners of some of these bars and venues and things. But if you had to uh, sort of see a path forward for musicians and live music again, because let me tell you, the fans out here are, are, uh, are really thirsting for it uh, in some ways, almost as much as, as the musicians are. Uh, what, what, you, what, what, what are your um, thoughts kind of on what we, what we might see in the coming months? Well, I mean, I think that, re- that what we're going to see in the coming months is we're going to get, there's going to be a renaissance of creation. You know, it might not be live, but I can tell you that in this time, you know, even that record that I made last year has been already delayed a little bit. But that was a record I made by myself and then formed the band around it. Now the band is already working on music to release. So, because most of us have, you know, you can, you know, you can get recording equipment, like just really satisfactory recording equipment for 125 bucks and have that at your home and that can be your home studio. So literally I will track, I have Pro Tools now, but there was a time I would track on GarageBand, which if you have a Mac comes for free. Um, and I would just print it off GarageBand and I had, there are GarageBand guitars that made it onto Melodon records, you know? So I think there's a, there's going to be a lot of creating. There's going to be a lot of new music uh, streaming and for purchase, um, which is. Yeah. Do you think that are a lot of musicians right now? I mean, you, of course, a lot of us see these online, uh, shows and things like that, but do you think a lot of musicians are spending this time in quarantine writing and creating? Oh yeah. I and that's not just a guess. I can't tell you how many, um, people I've gotten calls from. And this is another thing I've been lucky enough that I can do being able to record at home. I'm getting calls from, Hey, I'm recording this and this song. Can you play guitar on it? Can you play mandolin on it? So that's another thing I'm very thankful that I can kind of keep busy doing, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's happening, which is with, with, uh, with technology, uh, I know that right now a lot of people aren't traveling. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe if you're local, maybe in some small group settings, you can maybe get together in person in a studio. You know, I don't know what's happening out there, but are you finding that uh, if someone's calling you from, say, New York or somewhere else, uh, and they're saying, hey, uh, yeah, can you play guitar on this? Is it something you're able to kind of record yeah. separately and then kind of have them add it in their in their mix? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm getting, I'm working a lot with some people in Nashville um, right now that they will say like, Hey, we have this song. We need, you know, we need guitar on it. Think nineties country like think, you know, and they'll give me a couple different musical cues and I'll record at home. I won't have to go to a studio because I have everything here. Like I made my entire record in my apartment except for the drums. So I can do everything here and I'll send it to them. And if they, and they'll either like it or they'll be like, eh, actually think more, I don't know, Alan Jackson, Chattahoochee and send me it back <laughs> and then I'll respond. And yeah, it's, 
It's very, very possible. It's going to be a different kind of creating process. I can tell you uh, that I would much rather be working on music with my band in person because it's all via emails and text messages and phone calls right now. Um, and, you know, and FaceTime, but what, you know, we'll, we'll take what, we'll take what we, we can get. I have one skill set. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is, I'm, I'm going to milk the heck out of this for as long as I can. And yeah, we're, uh, so we're, John, uh, I can make it work, man. Do you guys have any dates on the calendar right now for live, a live show? Man, everything, literally everything we booked. So this this whole year was supposed to be the year of performing. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know how much I can talk about that's not happening anymore. But like, I mean, we were we had a date at City Winery. We had Rock by the Sea. We were getting there's a, a wonderful DC band called Wilder. Check them out. We were going to do an opening slot with them. There's all this other stuff that um, there's all there was a festival in Wisconsin that we were trying that we were going to do, and that looks like it's not going to happen. Um, I hope I can say that. Well, uh, well. Anyway, there's there's well, a lot it, of uns, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, obviously, well, well, no, it's certain. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah. nothing. Right. There, right. we have. So we have one date um, that did get rescheduled to August. I believe it's Sunday, August twenty third. You can check the website johntylerwiley.com. But I believe yes. it's August twenty third in Washington D.C. at City Winery, and we are holding on to hope for that. That was supposed to be our Washington D.C. Um, debut. Um, well, let's hope let's hope it'll still yeah. happen. That's yeah, a full three months from now, and it's Ooh. the only date on the horizon that's still a possibility. Of yeah. course, your your farewell show with Melodyne October third. I hope that will happen as well at the State Theater in Falls Church. Um, so, so we'll, we'll hope to see that. John, I got to ask you, where did you guys come up with, obviously, uh, John Tyler Wiley, we know where that came from, <laughs> yeah. and his Virginia Choir. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with the name of this band. Well, it start, I, I wanted to use my full name because I always just liked the rhythm of a lot of the music I grew up it's like on. John uh, Cougar Mellencamp over here. John yeah, Taylor well, Steve, <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, yeah. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Blind Lemon Jefferson, like Clarence Gatemouth Brown. I liked the rhythm of the three word, um, you know, John Lee Hooker. Like I, I liked that. And so I wanted to bring that in. And when it came to Virginia Choir, it really started um, before my friends Thomas and Eddie were brought in. I was playing, we would do um, little barroom gigs that were just rehearsals really um, playing this material last year. And I just wouldn't advertise it. Um, and with Joanna and Piper, uh, my, the rhythm section and everyone can sing, everyone could sing. So it was like, Oh, this is, this is nice. Having everybody able to sing. It's a little choir here. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, Eddie brought Eddie was brought in. He could sing too. Thomas isn't much of a singer. Maybe one, maybe one day. But um, but we got him. 
Well, yeah. So really, most of us were saying it was a large sound, and we all have roots in Virginia to some extent. So it was, it just came down to that. I like it. It just kind of happened, and I and I thought of it, and we kind of gave ourselves a, a deadline of all right. If we can't think of another name by this time, <laughs> then that's, that's it. it. And we hit the date and we couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> John, I got a couple last questions for you. I okay. mentioned that uh, haircut places opened up here in Florida just the other day and I got a haircut. But when's the last time you got a haircut? <laughs> oh, man. Um, about, I, I dare say, six months ago. Oh, that recent. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, it's getting, it's stupid long right now. It's getting to be a pain in the butt. Um, but it is, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> well, well, rock stars can have long hair. You're allowed. Um, <laughs> John, also one of the questions I ask people on the agents of innovation podcast, I interview a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, really everybody I view here as an entrepreneur in some way. Uh, and so I want to know, I, I asked this question, what was your first job? It could be anything as a kid or whatever. What was your first job? And if you could think of anything you might have learned from that job uh, and anything you might still uh, sort of keep with you today because of that. Man, I don't know about anything that I keep with me because of my first job. Um, but I can tell you the first two jobs I had, I worked a summer at a, uh, at a country club at, I would clean people's clubs off as, um, they finished golfing and I would, I would drive that driving range cart to go pick up balls, which, oh, yeah. which inherently made me, you know, the target of whoever was playing. Right. Yes. Um, so that you know, I can't, I wish I had a better story to tell you on, the, on that one. <laughs> like I, I didn't really learn anything from that other than working and making a buck is a, it's a good feeling. And then my second job was I worked behind the counter at a Dairy Queen for I th literally a week and a half. I think not longer than that. And I was 16 and it was like, I'm there. Yeah, I'll say it. There was a lot of drugs being dealt <laughs> by other employees, and I was like, I'm getting out of there. <laughs> the, the ice cream wasn't enough for them. No, 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 no. I mean, so yeah, I it, it was not a good experience. I turned in my two weeks notice. I think it was actually on my two-week anniversary I turned in my two weeks notice, and they just said, don't come back. And I said, great, yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, it's amazing that only two weeks on the job, you still felt compelled to give a two-week notice. So that's, that's great. Um, I try to do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's good. Well, John, we're going um, to end the uh, interview here. But of course, um, uh, we always like to play a song. And do you, um, so I'd like you to sort of tee up a song for us. But, but just before you do that, I also want to ask you, when will uh, sort of new recorded music be available for John Wiley, John Tyler Wiley and his Virginia Choir? So honestly, I can't give you an exact date yet. What we've been working on right now 
we're trying to produce, um, we're trying to, you get all that? Um, you get that gibberish? We're trying to produce some video content at the moment. Oh, good. That's what actually this is. Um, this is audio from a performance video we did for Rock by the Sea a few, uh, few days ago. As far as actual, like, better quality record, um, recorded music and our, and our records that we're working on, it is my personal goal. I love to get a couple singles out in the middle of the summer. Um, some of those are closer to uh, coming to fruition than people might realize, but I don't, I don't want to give any, I don't want to give any dates out yet because yeah. everything going on with COVID-19, it's been, you know, it's affecting every yeah. industry. So it's hard, it's hard to produce something, get a bunch of people together in a studio. Mm-hmm. I, when you mentioned Rock by the Sea, the, the what you did for them, they normally, uh, as we mentioned earlier, have a have a great music festival in St. George Island, Florida. Yes. Of course, they couldn't do that this year with the with the COVID nineteen. Uh, but there was an online stream where musicians were sort of zooming in, I guess, or whatever that whatever platform they were using. Yeah. Uh, to uh, so that people could see that. And this is where you all did a performance yeah. uh, together. And I guess were you guys, you guys were probably all in separate places though, right? As- yeah. So we, you know, we didn't, we, we wanted to adhere to social distancing. So yeah. what we did, this was actually, um, we, w- we would record ourselves. Um, we would record ourselves in our own homes and then film ourselves as we were playing it. And then I mixed everything and oh, cool. edited the video on iMovie. <laughs> um, so that was that was our that was our performance. It was live-ish because you know it yeah, was technically right. a studio recording. Um, but uh, uh, and uh, yeah, of course we did. So tell us a little bit about the song oh, we're gonna. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the song we're gonna hear now to close out the the, the podcast. Well. I should, I will say to the listener that everything else we are working on is very, very lyric driven. Um, Cause I love Springsteen and Dylan and modern artists like Isbell. And this song is kind of, this is not that. This is a, this is just kind of a fun uh, blues riff that I've always had kicking around in the back of my head. Um, and on the last Melodyne tour, um, I think we were driving through one of the, like, it was like a 20 hour drive or something through the, uh, through the Midwest headed to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, and we were maybe in North Dakota or somewhere out there, but we drove past a dead, not, not a coyote, a dead wolf mm. on the side of the road. And it was, it was, it's that it was jarring to see something that large. Um, and you know, when you're in a van for 20 hours and we are all very quiet when we're in the van, so when you're in a van for 20 hours of silence, it like your mind wanders. And I remember at that time, like placing myself just going down this wormhole of into my imagination of you know what was it like 150 years ago where it was you know or 200 years ago when 
humans might not necessarily be at the top of the food chain in every situation. Mm-hmm. And that was like a legitimate threat. And, you know, that was, that was where, that was where the lyrics came from. And it's nothing, nothing deep or, or, um, super meaningful, but I was just trying to get down. Like, I mean, I, it was a scary thought and I was, that's where I was trying to reflect just a little bit of fear from a time forgotten. <laughs> so well, great. Well, we're going to hear now uh, a raw uh, version in some ways of yes. Wolves by John Tyler Wiley and his Virginia choir. John, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Agents of Innovation podcast. And we're looking forward to seeing you getting back out on the road and hearing uh, some new tunes from you. I am looking forward to it as well, as are we all. But thank you so much for having me, man. This was a blast. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you. Start to hear them howl.